Amen. Thank you guys again. And uh, before we get into the message, would y'all join me in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you that we could be gathered here. And dear Lord, I pray that you would uh, awake our souls. That uh, whatever might be going on in our lives or in our worlds, that uh, for the next few minutes you would just focus on us. And that our hearts would be open to hear just precisely what you'd have to say into our lives, into our situations, and that we would respond. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, I am thankful to, uh, to be back and, uh, and to be here. Um, next, uh, next Sunday, I'm going to kind of share more about our trip to Malawi. Uh, so I hope you can be here then. But uh, today, I want to finish the series we've been going through the last uh, month, Love, Lies, and, and Lust. And just to give you a quick recap, you know, we started that there is a void in our lives, in our hearts of love, and that we buy into lies in our world that someone or something else can fill it besides Christ. And then one of those lies can be, one of the biggest lies can be lust, and Jeff preached on that last Sunday. And today I want to close with this title, The Truth of Love. And I'll be honest, before I went to Africa, I had this idea for the sermon and it was kind of all, you know, laid out. But I knew that God would work on my, my heart, and he did. And so I've changed up a bit where it is much, honestly, it's much bigger and much broader. And that is the truth of love. I think it is, it is bigger and it is, uh, it is even more than we can imagine in Christ. And uh, I'll lay that out to you. But um, I think a lot of us don't know the truth of love in Christ. I think we're raised and we can go to church or we can go to Sunday school and we know conceptually or in our minds about Jesus and about God, but we just don't really get all that he is in our hearts. And so I hope that I can show that to you and I hope that your hearts will be open and that the Holy Spirit will reveal it to you. A, uh, a British writer and Christian and, and thinker named uh, G.K. Chesterton, uh, some of you have probably uh, read some of his stuff. He once said that the fundamental fact of a Christian, the central fact in the life of a Christian, should be joy and happiness. And it's only on the periphery of their life that they would experience suffering or sorrow or pain. Let me say that. He said the fundamental fact, the central fact of a Christian life is joy. And that only on the outside, only on the periphery, would there be suffering or sorrow. And I heard that this week, and it really struck me because I believe so many Christians live the opposite. They live their lives, and there is suffering, and there's pain or sadness, and there are moments of joy, and there are moments of happiness, but it's not the central aspect of their life. It's not the, the central fact. And that only, okay, there is suffering, it might come in every now and then, but they're fully, they have the joy of Christ. And why is that? Why is that? that? That so many of us, myself included sometimes, can get so focused on the problems and the challenges and the struggles and that we don't have fully, we don't know in our hearts the true life of Christ, the peace, the happiness, the joy, the love. Why is that? I think because there are struggles and there are challenges, and I think our lives can get so overwhelmed 
in these challenges and these struggles. And I believe that in each life, there are four, four things, no, no, you know, the challenges may be specific, but they all are involved four things of struggle, four things of challenges, four things that can just overwhelm our lives. And you may be wrapped up in one of those four, or you may be wrapped up in all four. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go over each of them. And then when you talk about the truth of love, well, truth means that there's a question. Truth is an answer. And so I also think in these four challenges, there are also four big questions in all of our lives. No matter who you are, no matter where you're from, be it Mississippi or Malawi, you struggle with either one of these four things at some point in your life. And some of you today may be struggling with all four, okay? The first one I want to talk about is origin, as in your place of origin. And I'm not talking about being like from Jackson, Mississippi. I'm talking about your family, your family life, who you are, your parents, your family. You can struggle with this because let's say who your people are. Let's say you're from good people, and maybe that leads to a lot of pride in your life. Or maybe you're from, you know, like not so good people, and maybe that leads to, to shame. Or maybe in your family of origin, there is brokenness in relationships. Maybe between husband and wife. Maybe between your mom or your dad. Maybe between a son or a daughter. But in your family of origin, in that place where you were raised, in that home, there is some type of brokenness, there's some type of struggle, there's some type of challenge. And it can be overwhelming in your life, it can be burdensome in your life, and it can hold you back from the true joy of Christ. And you're just wrapped up in that internal struggle, maybe with a person, maybe again it's pride or shame about where you're from. Maybe you weren't supported growing up. Maybe you weren't encouraged. And there's still bitterness towards your family or bitterness towards a parent or a son or a daughter. But one of the primary challenges we can face in life can be surrounded in that family, in that place of origin. Second struggle or challenge that we can face, second question that we can face deals with morality. As in what is right or wrong. Some of you may be struggling with that now. You may be trying to live the Christian life, but you may be facing a decision. And you're kind of thinking, how far can I push it? You may know that this decision could lead to sin, or it could lead to something bad, but you're saying, how far can I go? How far can I push the envelope in what is right and what is wrong? Maybe some of you have made the wrong choice. Maybe some of you have made a series of wrong choices, a series of sins, and there's still guilt in your life. Maybe it's something that happened years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years. But it was one wrong choice, and that's defined your life. And so another challenge that we have are these things that is right and wrong and trying to, to live rightly, but yet there's something in us that can pull us sometimes towards sin or that we can just... Man, we can, you know, we're broken people and we just make the wrong decision. We just do something that God does not smile upon. The third challenge, the third question is that of meaning or purpose. As in like, what am I going to do with my life? We want our lives to have meaning. We want our lives to have purpose. Is it a job? Is it a career? 
Is it a, a passion? Is it giving in some way? We, we want to find that. And so many people in life, and I've been this way at times, don't. They don't find meaning and purpose to their life. And so there's still this void, and we want to try to fill it with something. And so often, and I saw this in my life, so I'm not saying it on anybody else, but I see it in other people's lives. So often we fill that void with things that we think are exciting and, you know, fun stuff. Maybe it's travel, maybe it's adventure, maybe it's a hobby, maybe it's an addiction, alcohol, maybe it's sex. It's something that we try to fill when there's no purpose or meaning in our life. And then at some point, at some point, you'll see that things that you thought were so exciting or so good actually can lead to emptiness. Heard a story on the mission trip. It was a, I think it was an African proverb, or I forget who wrote it. But it was about this, this couple who were having problems, and really there wasn't a sense of purpose in their life. There wasn't a sense of meaning. And obviously most of Africa's villages or you know, tribal or rural areas. And they went to this large city, and particularly the wife was having significant problems. She did not have a sense of meaning and purpose in her life. And she got to the city, and as the story goes, she, she was excited to be somewhere where there were other people and opportunities, and she had long since fallen out of love with her husband. And she got to the city, and they were staying wherever they were staying. And it said at night, as they went to bed, she slipped out. And the way the story was written, it said she gave herself in to the lusts of the night. And then she came back to their room and she had this huge sense of emptiness. And her husband was awakened as she came in and she laid down and her husband kind of patted her and she shrugged and pulled aside. And he said, what's wrong? And she just said, it's nothing. It's nothing. Meaning this little story was that what she went out for, the excitement or the adventure, led her still to even more nothingness. That having no purpose and having no meaning and then trying to fill it with things that, again, she thought would be so great or so wonderful. Being in a big city, being around different people, meeting new people. And then obviously giving herself into the lust of the night. She thought it would be so great, and then it was nothing. It was nothing. And then last, the challenge and the question that we can all face is about our destiny, as in what happens to us eternally? What happens to us when we die? There's our place of origin. There's right and wrong. There's meaning and purpose. And then finally, what happens when we die? Where will we go? Will we evaporate? Will we not exist anymore? And yes, we hear about heaven and we hear that we're going to live eternally. But, you know, I think if all of us are honest, sometimes we think, well, you know, what is it really going to be like and how do we know? Because you can go to funerals or you can go to graveyards or you can see coffins and there's a sense of loneliness there. There's a sense of it's over, it's done. And so a challenge and a question that we face is, will our, our lives have meaning for eternity? Will we go on? 
those challenges, those questions. Some of you may be struggling with one of them. Some of you may be struggling with all four. Origin, family, relationships in there, right and wrong. You may have done something that's wrong that you feel guilty for. You may be thinking about a decision. Should I do this as a Christian? How far can I go? Meaning and purpose. And if you don't have that, or you're giving yourselves in to something else that's not right and not healthy, and then you see that it's not, and it, it feels empty, and it feels like there's nothingness, and then your destiny. What happens when we die? Those are questions. Those, I believe, challenges every person, every human being faces at some point in their life. And there is an answer. And today I'm here to tell you that answer. And I'm here to tell you the truth. The truth is found in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, like I said, I think so many folks don't know the truth of love. They don't know the truth of Christ. Because Christ relates to all of those four. The truth, the answer is Christ. John 14, verse 6. He says, I am the way and the truth and the light and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Some of you may have heard that verse before. It's a famous verse. But Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth. I am the truth to all these questions that you have. I am the truth. And he says, I am the life. Now, I was reading through this verse as I was preparing for this message over the week. And, you know, I've heard that verse over and over again. I knew I was going to use it because it says truth. I am the truth. He is the truth of love. But I came across another verse that really opened this up more and more. And I hope it, hope it will for you. And it's John 14, 19. And it's the last part of that verse. It says, because I live, you will live also. Jesus says, because I live, you will live also. We have these challenges. We have these questions internally or externally with people. Jesus says, I'm the way and I'm the truth. But then he says, because I live, you will live. You will live forever in eternity, in heaven with Christ. But also, he says, you will live abundantly here, which is what I was talking about at the beginning, that the fundamental fact of our lives should be joy in Christ. And that suffering, when it happens, because it does happen, but it should only be on the outside. It should only be on the periphery. And it should only kind of come in every now and then. But the central fact, our lives should be that, hey, because Jesus lived, we live too. And we have that life. Now listen, I can say that, and I can preach it, and maybe you've heard this sermon before. But I really want to get into how those four things, how Jesus is about those four, how he can bring truth to those four, how he can bring answers to those challenges. Because I've heard Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And I was like, okay, that's great, but break it down for me. I mean, like, okay, I've, because I live... You will live too, but like, how, you know? All right, well, first one, origin. Questions of family. I believe a lot of us don't know who we are in Christ. I mean, like, we don't know who we are. First and foremost, before anything else, before even you're a Christian, you are a child of God. You are a children of God. You are God's creation. 
he made you, he formed you. Psalmist says in your mother's womb. Says he knows every hair on your head. You are a child of God. Look in 1 John. 1 John, not John, 1 John, towards the back of your Bible. 1 John 3, verse 1, it says, See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us, that we would be called children of God, and such we are. For this reason the world does not know us, because it did not know him. Again, see how great a love the Father has given to us, that we are children of God. First and foremost, I hope before anything else, it doesn't matter where you're from, who your people are. You are a child of God. And because, because you're a child of God, and you can know that and live that, and you can live freely in how he created you to be, and you don't have to hold anything back because he had a purpose and plan in creating you. And then secondly, yes, you're a child of God, but moving into a relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is not a concept. It's not a theory. He's not an idea. Above all, it is a relationship. And that he wants a personal relationship with you, with me. You're a child of God, and then you have a relationship with Christ in your heart. Or you love him, and he loves you. I mean, it's a, it's a, you think about the relationships you have today. Do you have that type of relationship with Christ? That is what he wants. This afternoon, Lynn and I are, are driving up to North Mississippi, and we're picking up Jack and Logan, and I hadn't seen them in like, you know, nine days or something like that. And when I see them, you know, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love them and hold them. And, you know, anything that's ever been written about love or the truth of love, philosophy or, you know, love songs, I mean, love poems or love songs or whatever it is about love, I know that when I see them, that feeling, I know, that's going to be love. And nothing that has been written can match that or what we read. And I tell you that as a father coming to see his children again after being away from them so long, that is how God feels about you. That is God, what God wants for you in Christ. A father's love, a relationship with Christ. Again, no matter your family of origin, no matter your place, you're a child of God and can have a relationship with him in Christ forever. Second, things about morality, right and wrong. Where are our ideas of perfection? Where are our ideas of like what is perfect, how to look perfect, or you know, what is the right way to look, or the right way to be a man, or the right way to be a woman, or the right way for marriage? What are our ideas of perfection? I think many of us find those ideas and find that truth in culture. I mean, we look in, you know, I mean, magazines, whether it's men's health or women's health or, you know, or celebrity magazines. Heck, you know, we're gonna, some of us, and I'll probably watch part of it, watch the Oscars tonight, and we'll watch everybody try it out on the red carpet, and hey, they'll look great, and I shapes that shapes our ideas of perfection it shapes our ideas of what is right and how to live and how to look and if you you know don't do that or are not moving towards that well then there's that may be something wrong i mean it's not like wrong but ethically but you know you're not you're not leading towards the perfect life okay 
the truth of love, the truth of it is that in the life of Christ, there is the perfection of purity. I mean, if, if you read the life of Christ, I mean, he talks about what a marriage should look like. He talks about repentance from things that you've done that are wrong and can lead to a new life. He talks about being able to forgive. In the life of Christ is the model for perfection. It's the model for the right way to live. So much so, another verse, 1 John 3, 16, he says, We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. He was and is the perfect life. And he went so far as to give his life for us. And then he says, you know, Scripture says, you know, if we want to live the perfect life, then we should give of our lives to other people. But if you want the model for how to live, if you want to look at perfection, then look at the life of Christ. I'm leading a Wednesday morning Bible study of all our, our leaders in the church, lay leader teams, small group leaders, and we're just focusing on the book of John because I think people don't know, like, the simple life of Christ and what it should tell us. I mean, we look to everything, we look to movies or magazines or whatever in culture. Just look to Christ for what is right and what is not right and how to live and how to give of ourselves. Then meaning, questions of meaning and purpose. I know some of you here are probably struggling with that. I know I struggled with it for, for years and years and there was a void in my life and I filled it with not good stuff. Where do you find meaning? Where do you find purpose in life? Now, I would say if there was one word that could define the, the Christian faith, our faith, one word, I would say forgiven. Forgiven. And maybe you don't believe that, or maybe that had hit you, but here's what I mean. If you're a child of God, and then there is stuff in you that rebels against God because all of us are rebelling against God but then God forgives you and then let's say you make choices that are that are wrong that are that are not right you can come to God for forgiveness and he will say hey you can start all over you can start anew right now right here one word defining our faith forgiveness you are forgiven in Christ. Therefore, I believe you should live for Him. Now, there may be a specific way that you live, be it a job or be it a career, or be it a passion, but you should ultimately, I believe, live your purpose and your meaning should be found in Christ because He has forgiven you. He has saved you. Another verse. 1 John 4, 9 and 10, it says, By this the love of God was manifested in us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. This is love, that God loved us and sent his son so that we could be forgiven. Listen, guys, no matter what you've done, no matter who you are, you can start all over. You can start anew in Christ. I want you to know that. And in that, I want you to have meaning and I want you to have purpose in your life. And then finally, destiny. Where we go for eternity. What 
happens to us. Yes, the idea of death, I think it can be scary. It can be fearful. I think we go to funerals, we see a coffin there, and it can just seem lonely and empty. And we can ask ourselves, okay, what happens to us when we die? What happens? What, what's going to take place? Are we going to live forever? Jesus said, because I live, you live. And if you believe in him, then you have to believe that he, as a, as a man, died, and then he rose again. And guys, if you believe that, if you believe in the resurrected Christ, it has to change everything in your life. I mean, if you truly believe that, then, then life should be totally different. A man died, and then he rose again, then he had life again, and then he says to you and to me, because I live, you will live. You will live forever. So yes, I mean, why do we live lives of suffering? Why do we live lives that the central fact can be pain and bad things that happen to us? The central fact of our life should be joy. The central fact of our life is that we can go on forever, that we can live forever, that our lives can have meaning and purpose here, and that we have eternal life with Christ forever. I mean, that is, if, man, if you don't amen about anything, please, for the love of Christ, amen, amen. Family and people, questions of right and wrong, meaning and purpose, destiny, all of those things, you can boil it down, you can central it, and the truth of love is Jesus Christ. And to know him is to know that, know that you're a child of God, and to know him is to know that you can have forgiveness at any time, and to know him is that there's meaning and purpose in your life, and to know him is to know that there is life eternal in heaven. And yes, we don't have a clear picture of it, but it's going to be great, and it's going to be wonderful. And he doesn't want us to like live lives of suffering and pain and hardship and all this blah, 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 blah. He wants a man to be fired up. That this can be a great life. And yes, there is going to be suffering. But man, one last verse. 1 John 5, 4. It says, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is the one who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Guys, that is not like trifling stuff. That is not like, you know, just, that is overcoming the world. That is like victory. That is whatever is going on in your life right now, Scripture just said, in Jesus Christ, you overcome it. Amen. Two quick stories about this trip in Malawi. And I'll talk about this more next week. I was, uh, I was honored to preach uh, twice. And one time I preached, and it was in a big open field. It was at night. It had a few lights. I mean, you could see, but it was under these African skies. There was about 400 people gathered. They came from know, villages or tribes all around. And I had an interpreter. I mean, a lot of folks speak English, but a lot of them just speak tribal language. And so I preached. And I preached a lot of actually what you're hearing today. It's, Similar sermon, just thought, hey, use it twice, you know. And um, so I preached, and, you know, afterwards, I, at the end, I, I focused on, you know, no matter what you've done, you are forgiven. No matter if you have questions, you can find purpose. And it's all about this personal relationship with Christ. And I called an invitation. I said, man, do you, do you want to have a personal relationship with Christ? And 200 people that night 
200 people said, I want to have a personal relationship with Christ. About half out of the, the crew that was there. And I mean, I don't think the sermon was like that great or anything, you know. I mean, it was, I mean, it was, I mean, I was just, I was preaching. I said, man, do you want to, you want a personal relationship? And all these folks did. But what I want to say is, I do think their hearts were more open. Now, whether you call it the struggles that they face, or whether you call it the poverty that they live in, or I don't know, but I, I believe that they were so open to the Holy Spirit, and they saw Christ, and they saw the truth of love in such a different way, and they said, I want that, and I want a personal relationship. And I know that in Christ, I can overcome anything, any situation. And they started anew that night. Now, that's on a larger scale. I also had an opportunity, I was in a small home, I mean, more like a, a hut. And I was with another guy, he was my translator, and there were three people there, two ladies and a guy, young. And we were talking and sharing and, you know, witnessing, but, you know, in relationship, you know, not, not doing the sinner's prayer or that stuff. And so I said, you know, do you, do you go to church? And they said, yes, we go to church. I said, well, do you, do you know Jesus? You know, are you a Christian? And they said, well, you know, we kind of go to church, but it's really just more for connections in the community. I mean, they, they literally kind of said that. Uh, and we don't really know anything about a personal relationship with Christ. And I thought to myself, I mean, you can go to Africa or you can go, I mean, you can go anywhere all over the world. And you can have people who go to church, but they don't have a personal relationship with Christ. And so I said to them, I said, well, you know, I think about invitations and, you know, all of us, I mean, myself included, have heard, you know, standard invitations. And, you know, it's almost like rote. And, and I'll be honest, I, I don't like kind of the standard invitation. I like invitations, inviting Christ into your life, but in, in different ways. And so when I asked them as an invitation, I said, okay, guys, have you ever longed and searched for love in your life, whether it's through a person or through a family and, you know, have you ever found it? And all three of them said no, that they'd always been disappointed with people ultimately. And then I said, well, have people in your life, have they hurt you in some way or done something wrong against you or something bad and that you can't forgive them and have peace in your life? And they said yes, that there were people who had done things like that to them. And then I said, well, you know, Christianity, you boil it down to it, I mean, it is about the church, but it's not about the church. And then it starts with having a personal relationship with Christ. And then you grow from that to be part of a church, and you can grow in your relationship with Christ. But I said to these guys, on a very, you know, intimate level, just five of us there, I was like, would you like to have a relationship with Christ? And they said, Yes that they wanted to find love, they wanted to find peace, and they wanted to find forgiveness. So whether it's on a broader scale and you have hundreds raising their hand or saying, you know, I want a personal relationship, or whether it's just intimate and small, or maybe it's you and someone else that you can share with. You know, you, again, you don't have to say the sinner's prayer or something like that. You can say, hey, do you want to find love? It starts with a relationship in your heart with Christ. And so today, as, as we close, I want to I wanna challenge you guys. I could ask you the same questions that I did to those couple folks. You know, do you 
Do you know Christ in a personal way? Have you sought love in your life from, from people, from a husband or spouse, a boyfriend or girlfriend or family member, and at some point never been fulfilled? Have you tried to find love and been disappointed? Have you had bad things happen to you? Have you had someone hurt you in a very sharp way that sticks? Have you been unable to forgive them? Have you been unable to forgive yourself? Then would you have a personal and intimate relationship with Christ where you can know the truth of love? The truth of love is Jesus. He says it clearly. But the truth of love is even more than sometimes what we know of Christ. Because again, in Christ we are children of God. We have a relationship with him. We can look to him to how to live a life. And if we make mistakes, and we will, we can have forgiveness, and we can have purpose, and we can know that we go on forever and ever. And that is something to be happy about. That is something to be excited about. That is something to live for. And then I want you guys to have it, but I cannot, I, I can't force it on you. And all of those Africans that said, yes, I want a personal relationship, I believe their hearts were so open. And they looked at their life and they said, you know, I don't have that, and I want it. And I know some of you don't have that. That's not anything condescending. That's just saying it is a great day to start right now, having a personal, intimate, loving relationship with Christ that will change and bless and transform your life where you're not living for anybody else but him, and that when suffering happens, that's not the central aspect of your life and you don't dwell on it and you can release it and you can have joy and peace and happiness in Christ and purpose and meaning and it's found in Him. And I want that for you and there is no better day to start than today. So we're going to close. I'm going to lead us in prayer, then we're going to have the invitational song. Whether you want to do it in your seat, if you want to come talk to me personally, or you want to talk to our Jeremiah Prayer Council, people will be up here that will be willing to pray with you to start having a relationship with Christ. And yes, that doesn't mean that everything's going to be perfect because there are bad things that happen, but man, you can know that you have meaning, you can have purpose, you can have life, that He is truth. And I want you to have it. So my question before we all pray together is, have you sought for love? In so many ways. And now do you want real love? And do you want to be forgiven? Do you want to be able to forgive? If you do, the truth, the answer is Jesus Christ. And I hope you will have it right now. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, I thank you for everyone that's gathered here today. Dear Lord, I know they come from all different directions. And I know that they're all different things that's going on in their life and in their heart and in their families. And I know that there's suffering in all of our lives, I mean, in, in small or large ways. And I pray right now, I pray that the central fact of these folks' life could be the joy of Christ. And that they would know that intimately in their heart, and they would start wanting to seek it and desire it. And that they would know the answer and the truth for all of these questions, whether it is broken relationships in their family, whether it's things that are right and wrong, whether it is the lack of meaning in their life, and whether that is 
questioning what's going to happen when they die. It's all found in Christ. I pray they would know that right now. But not only would they know it, that they'd receive it and open their hearts to a relationship with him. In the name of Jesus, amen.